defining the goal makes it, it clears your head, keeps you on track and gives you the motivation to get started and gives you a path forward. So defining the goal is kind of like your mission statement, your overall um, path forward. And I think that having a, a decluttered space and an organized home just gives you the ability to think clearly and to focus on your family. You're not looking for things that have been misplaced. Um, you know what you need to do next. Everything has a home. It's just such a, gives you such a sense of peace and calm and um, it just makes your life easier. I think that organizing really needs to just be about making your life easier and um, setting up systems that, that help you with that. Welcome to the Madeline and Becca podcast. The mission of our podcast is simple, to inspire professional self-confidence in women everywhere. I'm Madeline. And I'm Becca. On our podcast, you will hear stories from real-world influencers, women who have experienced tremendous success in their careers by building self-confidence. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today, Allison Yoder, knows how to get you organized. She spent her life organizing and refining systems to bring order and calm to her home and those of her clients. Allison started her career in publishing before pursuing her love of organizing, first through California closets and then opening her own business and becoming a brand ambassador for the Container Store. On today's episode, Allison will discuss the very important first step of defining your goal in any space you want to organize. She'll walk us through her system from sorting, purging, assigning, containerizing, and evaluating each room. Allison will explain the psychological benefits of getting organized so you can prioritize your family and your time. She'll give us some tips on how to handle sentimental items and how to avoid common decluttering mistakes. Allison will also provide specific strategies on tackling home offices, closets, bathrooms, kids' spaces, and your car. She'll share her passion for organizing spaces for children with autism and other special needs. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a review. It helps us to bring you more of the content that you love. Here's Madeline. We're so excited to welcome Allison Yoder, the founder and owner of Blueprint Professional Organizing based in Fort Worth, Texas. And we know a lot of our listeners are, are taking this opportunity right now to get organized during the pandemic. So we can't wait to hear Allison's tips and strategies for organizing today. So welcome, Allison, and thank you for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. So can you, you start by telling us a little bit about your background, your professional background? Sure. Um, I grew up here in Texas, and as a kid, I really even then needed to have order and kind of a peaceful, organized environment around me. Um, but I didn't realize that organizing could be a career. So um, after college, I went into book publishing and became an editor for a history publisher out in South Carolina. And I loved that job. I worked with authors to take their ideas 
from um, just an idea into an actual book that you could hold in your hands. And I think that looking back now, the reason I liked it so much was um, not just working with people, but um, it was because I was organizing their ideas into an outline and then a book. And it just kind of went back to my original love, which was organizing and creating something from a shared vision with someone else. So after um, a brief career in publishing, I was transferred to California with my husband and kind of stumbled into what I felt like was my dream job. And I started working for California Closets as a designer. And I just loved that. It was so much fun. Um, I didn't ever think that someone would pay me to sit around and design closets for people. And it just truly was um, my dream job. I really loved it. Did that for about five years. And um, I was able to move to Texas back home with my family, have kids, and kind of do that off and on during that time period of my life. So in the end, I think I, I designed closets for about 10 years with them before starting Blueprint. And for our listeners who don't know what California Closets is, can you just tell us what that company is, organization? Sure. It's a custom closet company. I designed closets, entertainment centers, um, home offices, garages, shelving systems in people's homes, um, working with um, clients and coming up with designs and then having the company install it. So um, when you decided to start your own business, what was the catalyst for, for actually, um, you know, getting a business going in Texas? Yeah, I was, um, I had two young kids and one of my sons has autism and I just found myself needing something with a little more flexibility and a job where I could have a little bit more of my own schedule and be a little bit more of my own boss. So at the time, the Container Store was rolling out a program called Contained Home, Mm -hmm. where they would partner with local organizers who would work with um, their customers in their homes to help them get organized. Mm -hmm. So it was a service that the Container Store would offer, and um, they would pair us up and, and then I would help customers in their homes with any kind of organizational challenge they were having. And so I saw that program and I thought that sounded like a really good opportunity. I interviewed with the container store and um, got started with the program. And in order to do that, you had to start your own business because I would be an independent contractor with them. Um, so I started, I launched my business and they were the source of my first clients and I just kind of got started and it, it, I loved it from the beginning. It was, it was great. It was a really good move for me. So how many years old is your business now? It's five years old. And, um, what services do you offer? So I offer in-home organizing services. So I'll work with clients in blocks of time in their homes. So um, in like three to five hour blocks of time working alongside them to organize and declutter and create systems and strategies for maintaining their organization. Or 
I will um, kind of do it all for them. They'll often leave me in a space like their pantry or their closet, and I'll just transform it for them into something that they can maintain, hopefully. Um, I also have a DIY plan where you can um, have a virtual call with me and we'll talk about what is causing disorganization and how I can possibly help you. you know, maybe send me some measurements of your space and then I'll send you a plan that um, gives you a step-by-step -step action that you can take and a list of products that you can uh, buy to use in your space. And that's been really popular during COVID. Yeah, I can imagine um, because I think just so but everybody knows we're all sitting home. So we're staring at these spaces and thinking, how can we improve them? I know I've certainly done that. And so has Becca. Um, yeah. It's such a need right now. Can you let's just take a step back. I want to know a little bit about um, your organizing philosophy. And so from like a very bird's eye view, um, what are your guiding principles that you follow? Well, the first thing that I do in any space is I try to get really clear on what the goal is. So if it's um, if I'm working with a client, I'll ask them, what is your vision of this space? What do you want the end result to be? And what does this space need to do in your home? How does it need to function? So it's a, if it's a closet, we really try to think about what are the things that are going to go into this closet? What's the purpose it's going to serve? Or if it's um, an area like uh, kitchen where there's a, a buildup of clutter, we try to really get clear on what are the things that need to be in this space and what doesn't. So first, outlining your goals is really important. And then the second step, I, I usually just dive in and I use the space analogy or um, anachronism. And it's sort, purge, assign, containerize, evaluate. So the first step is to sort everything out. There's no point in organizing everything until you know exactly how much you have of each item. So you've got to kind of sort it out, group like items together so you can see what you've got. And then after that, um, purging or edit, I like to call it editing, but purge works with space. Um, go through and make sure that you don't have a lot of duplicates and really narrow it down especially with things like kitchen tools or clothes. This is when you can really see, oh, I've got five of the same black shirt. Maybe I can let some of those go. Um, next step is assign. So you assign a home for each item and you know, really commit to it. I really like to use labels so that you feel like you've committed to this. This item is going in this home from now on. And containerize is the next step. And that's really the fun part that a lot of people like to jump to. And it's the bins and the baskets, the labels, the um, products that you can put in place to keep everything organized. And then evaluate is a step. It's the last step, but a lot of people forget it. You really got to look, step back and look at the space and the items that you've, maybe the bins and baskets, make sure they're working for you. And if you're finding yourself still having a lot of clutter buildup, then take a step back and think about why that might be happening. And maybe there's something off in your system that needs, needs to be tweaked. And um, in terms of like the difference between organizing, tidying, decluttering, I think all these words get kind of, you know, used sort of interchangeably, but 
could you just tell us what sort of the difference is and what your process is? Is it like a cleaning process in as part of the space process for you? Yeah, um, they're all similar, but they do get kind of lumped together. The cleaning part is obviously a lot easier once you've decluttered. Decluttering is really the first step. Um, you've got to kind of get rid of all the excess stuff like the, the junk mail and the trash and the extra stuff, that do, the things, stray items that don't have a home. You've got to declutter first. Um, that makes the cleaning a lot more possible. And then tidying to me is more of a routine kind of thing. I feel like tidying, once you've got your space where you want it to be and you've got your systems in place, tidying is more of a daily routine that you do to maintain it. And it's just like maybe a quick 10 minutes after dinner, everyone helps pitch in and clean up the family room. Or maybe at the end of the day, you put all the stuff in your closet back that you got out during the day that, you know, you didn't wear or it just needs to go back in its home. But tidying is more like a maintenance thing to me. Do you subscribe? I know a lot of people are um, following sort of the uh, color or rainbow method or, you know, grouping you know, things that look aesthetically pleasing or is it more by functionality? Well, I am a function first kind of person. I'm very practical. And so I do ultimately go for a function first, but I feel like if it looks pretty, it's a lot easier to maintain. Mm -hmm. And I do subscribe to the color order uh, philosophy. I really like to group things in a closet by color and uh, by type. So I always do that with with closets and clothes. I don't do it so much in a pantry. I know that's kind of a thing right now. A lot of people um, organize by color and rainbow order, but I don't do that so much um, in other areas. I really try to stick with function first and grouping the like items together to try to make sense of things so that you can find because it, you've got to be able to find things first. And to circle back on something you said, um, you know, your purpose in starting out is always defining the goal. And I think um, I'm curious to know from your perspective, what psychological benefits are there in terms of defining the goal and also and committing to the goal and then being able to live life, you know, in a more efficient and um, sort of like, clutter-free in your mind type of way? Oh, there's so many benefits. I think that first defining the goal makes it, it clears your head, keeps you on track and gives you the motivation to get started and gives you a path forward. So defining the goal is kind of like your mission statement, your overall um, path forward. And I think that having a, a decluttered space and an organized home just gives you the ability to think clearly and to focus on your family. You're not looking for things that have been misplaced. Um, you know what you need to do next. Everything has a home. It's just such a, gives you such a sense of peace and calm and um, it just makes your life easier. I think that organizing really needs to just be about making your life easier and um, setting up systems that that help you with that, help 
help you find things and stay on track and help your family function. And for people who maybe start off, um, (laughs) who are inclined to be, I don't want to say pack rats, but people who tend to like a lot of stuff, do you have a suggestion for people who tend to be on the other end of the spectrum when they're starting out? You know, for example, um, I know I have a good friend who, when she's helped family members organize, she takes everything out of the room first before putting it back in, you know, in a space, like everything comes out and then it's like, okay, you commit to each item as it goes back into a closet, for example. But for those people who maybe are not organized, do you have any good advice on how to get started? Yeah. And that's actually a great tactic too. I always take everything out of the space before I start organizing it too. That's always a great way to sort and also get rid of things that you don't need. Um, I think that if you have a lot of stuff lying around, I mean, first of all, you have to be ready to make a change. Mm -hmm. And so this is where, you know, sometimes we want other people in our lives to be organized. (laughs) And, you know, you say, well, why can't my kids be organized or my husband, but they have to want it too. And so um, someone who has a lot of stuff around may have a higher tolerance for having more things around them. And maybe they can think a little, I mean, for me, I have to have completely a, cl- a completely clear desk to be able to think straight, but other people may not be that rigid and they may be able to have some piles around. So you know, everyone recognize everyone has a little bit of a different tolerance there, but for someone who's who's really overwhelmed um, getting started, I think just picking one area, if you really want to change and you really want to make a, a, a difference, a change in your life, um, pick one area that's maybe a small area, an easy win and get started and just jump in. Just, you know, start looking at things. Don't overthink it. If there's something that you get stuck on, move on to the next thing. Um, I always tell people don't start with the sentimental items first. Or, you know, don't start with the hard things, start with the easy stuff, because you'll build up momentum. And then you'll, you'll find it's easier when you do get to the hard things. And you brought up one of the questions I was going to ask, which is how to deal with sentimental items. Like I know, um, in my house, I've developed with what I call the attic collection. And that's like, you know, the sweater that I was wearing when I met my husband in college, and I can't (laughs) part with it. And I got to put it somewhere and I put it up in the attic collection. But then, you know, there's lots of other things. My duplicative black t-shirts, okay, it's their time to go. So do you have a system you might recommend for people who are very sentimental about certain items where they can kind of, you know, take it out of their day-to-day main space or any other strategies for those those things you can't quite part with? Yeah, you know, I understand this because I'm very sentimental myself mm-hmm. and I have boxes in the top of my closet that are labeled from my childhood. I find it hard to let go of things. So I understand, I think that a couple of strategies that have worked for me and my clients are, um, first of all, recognize that you can't have too much stuff out that's sentimental. You know, if everything is supposedly precious, then nothing is really that important. So you really want to streamline it down to the things that are truly, truly important to you. And then the things that are, that you maybe don't want out all the time, but that you want to keep, you just can't let go of. My advice is a couple of things. You can either use it in a non-traditional way. Like um, we took an old recipe of my grandmother's in her handwriting and had it put on a tea towel. So 
now I can use it as I can see that recipe with her handwriting on a tea towel that we use all the time. So I don't have to keep the original recipe anymore. And so there's little things like that that you can do. And then if there are things that you can't let go of, put them in a box, label them, put them somewhere out of the way, and then go through them from time to time. And when you're ready, you'll be, you'll let it go. And sometimes you're just not ready. So you shouldn't make yourself get rid of it. I don't think think you should wait until the time is right because it will eventually be, you'll be ready to let it go. So I found that with a lot of my, my own belongings where I save things from my childhood or my teenage years. And they meant a lot to me at the time when I boxed them up and then I moved them around. And it was almost like every time I moved them, I, I felt less attached and more ready to let them go. And then finally, you know, a couple of years ago, I went through some old boxes. I'm like, I don't, this does not have the same meaning anymore. And I'm ready to let it go. So it's a process. No, that's a good strategy because sometimes you're in the mindset of purging and sometimes you might just not be ready. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that's okay. Yeah, that's a good psychological thing because otherwise I think you resist change. You resist even wanting to declutter sometimes because it, you know, it can make you feel panicky, panicky, like you're you're forced to get rid of everything. But I think that's good advice to, I love putting it on a tea towel too. That's another way of um, making it useful. Mm Mm-hmm. So in terms of, um, I just want to talk specifically about home offices because that has become on the forefront of everybody's minds. I know, you know, most people or many people are working from home and are trying to either change a room in their house into a home office or in the alternative, in many places, find a space within their home to make a home office. Um, Do you have any advice about um, how to make a space in a home functional for a home office with an organizing perspective. Yeah, first, again, get clear on your goals and think about what kind of space you really need because everyone's different and you might need privacy or you might need a lot of room to spread out or you might need storage. So give yourself a few minutes to really think about that first before diving into the organizing part of the home office. And then maybe think about some non-traditional places that you can create a little home office niche. Um, Closets can work if they have enough space and um, dining rooms can be transformed into home offices, a little spot in the garage or maybe a shed in the backyard. I think that life work life has changed forever now and more people are going to be working from home. So it's definitely worth really spending some time thinking about the right location first for mm-hmm. your home office. Um, secondly, you've got to have good storage. So, and it depends on what kind of things you, what you do and what you need to store in your space. But filing cabinets are always a helpful thing to have nearby. Um, I actually love having like a desktop file with file folders that have like to do and action items and um, client files and just resources and reference materials. I like to have those on my desk, but in an organized way. And that takes sort of the place of the post-it note system that sometimes you get. 
Um, bulletin boards are great for you know, having that information right at your finger, fingertips. But um, really think about the things that you need to have on your desk and keep it to that as a minimum and then um, give yourself a little uh, home for everything else and a storage system for all the the other things like the, the papers and the office supplies. Maybe those could go in a closet somewhere away from your desk. So you had mentioned that you're um, a brand ambassador with the Container Store, and it's such a fabulous um, company. And Beck and I both love their products. I mean, it's just it's such a great a great company. So tell us about that, um, your relationship with them. And then maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the products that you commonly recommend um, for your clients. Sure. Yeah. I love working with the container store. They have, I've always loved the container store. Um, I've always been a huge fan. And so I was thrilled to get this opportunity to be a brand ambassador for them. Their partnership is, it's so helpful to my business because I am able to, I I get to know their inventory and the people who work in the stores near me. Uh, They help me with custom closet solutions. And I just feel like I have kind of an inside um, track there as far as new products and inventory and, and new things that are coming that can benefit my clients. So it's a great partnership. I, I love working with them. Um, some of my favorite things that I like to use from the container store are the, I love the water hyacinth baskets. Those instantly, if you use those in a pantry or an office, they instantly upgrade the space and they hide a lot of clutter. So I use those a lot. And then the new line from the home edit is really great. They have a lot of acrylic pieces that organize pantries and um, I've used them in bathrooms and in offices as well. And those are really nice. Those are another one of my favorites, but I honestly, I love, it's hard to pick just a few favorites. I use a lot of their products in my organizing. um, And it's hard to pick just a couple of favorites. (laughs) So in terms of, um, just I know one thing that Beck and I have discussed is how to, when you organize, say, like a medicine closet and all your makeup, like, you know, we have a lot of people in our network who are, you know, experimenting with new products and makeup and that can kind of get unwieldy. Do you have a system or a suggestion for how to organize that aspect of people's lives? Yeah, um, this is something I deal with a lot with my clients. They typically have like overstuffed drawers and medicine cabinets and uh, cabinets in their bathrooms full of product. And one of the things I tell them is to streamline it down to what you use on a regular basis and have a daily drawer, for example, where you use acrylic drawer dividers to separate things out by the type of item. So you have like your dental stuff and you have maybe your skincare and you have your daily makeup and your special occasion makeup and try to keep that to a real minimum. I mean, we can only use so many products at a time. So you have to kind of be realistic about what you're using on a regular basis and create that at, give it a home that's easy to access. And then the rest of it, 
I like to put it under the sink in a drawer system or um, in some kind of a, some clear labeled boxes and separate them out by type. And then just make sure that you're rotating things and that, you know, you're, you're not going out and buying more product before you check and see what you have underneath the sink in one of your backstock drawers. Boy, I'm guilty of that. And as I've been reorganizing, I've been noticing that. Like, why why do I look like a, you know, a grocery store or what a makeup store sometimes? Um, <laughs> but you're right. It's really easy to buy duplicates if you can't easily see what stock you have. Yeah. Well, so for- and another thing, just to jump in there with this, there are expiration dates for skincare and, med- and medicine and makeup. So, for example, mascara, you really need to change it every three months. So if you go by those rules, you can really edit out a lot of your extra product just right there because a lot of us tend to have things that just hang around, um, old lipsticks and old mascaras and skincare products. And if you just go through those and go through the guidelines for expiration dates, um, anything that's over a year old, just toss it. That's a really good point. What about um, just to translate that also into the kitchen space, like say a fridge or a pantry, do you recommend like a three month sort of check on expiration or how do you, what are your strategies in the kitchen with that? Yeah, I like to keep a clean and organized fridge. So I weekly go through my fridge and throw out things that are not, that have gone past the expiration date. And then I clean it because I just have a a thing about having a clean fridge. So I, um, I think that regular, just doing a regular sweep is the best way to stay on top of that. And, you know, you're not usually sentimental about the items in your fridge. So it's pretty easy to let them go (laughs) if you're paying attention. So just go through it, you know, on a week or at least monthly basis and get rid of stuff that's past its prime and then kind of give it a wipe down and clean it out. Um, and that's the best way. Just ma- keep that regular schedule up. So for our um, audience who's, you know, obviously quite busy, do you have like one particular area of organizing within the house that you think could make the biggest amount of impact in the shortest amount of time? If someone says, okay, I can commit to an hour or an hour and a half of organizing, what do you think sort of the best bang for your buck is in terms of organizing? I think it's a toss up between two areas. And I think that the first one is the kind of like the family command center area. That's what I call it, where mail piles up, bills, um, trash sometimes. If you have kids, it's where you put kids' schedules and permission slips and report cards, artwork that they bring home, that kind of stuff. So for busy families, I think that's like your biggest bang for your buck is set up a smart system where you can deal with incoming mail, incoming papers, kids' artwork, um, just all that stuff that tends to clutter up the kitchen counter. And I like to use a desktop file for that and just have action folders with action items on there like to do or pay bills to pay invitations, um, maybe receipts, some whatever suits your family. So dealing with that will help people immediately feel more organized. And then the second place I feel like you get a lot of bang for your buck is in your closet. 
-hmm. because it's the first place you go in the morning. And if your closet is a mess and you can't find something to wear, it often will start your day off on the wrong foot. You feel frustrated, overwhelmed, like you don't have enough time. And if your closet is neat, organized, and full of things that make you feel great when you wear them, then you're going to have a good day. And for closet organizing, maybe you mentioned this, but you do everything by color. What about with shoes? I know that's like a real problem area, especially for Be- Becca and I. <laughs> the shoes. Yeah, shoes, I like to organize them by type. So I put all, I think they look good that way too. If you put all the heels together, mm-hmm. I do organize them by color. And then, um, so all the heels, all the flats, all the sandals, all the athletic shoes, kind of put them, put them together so that you can find what you're looking for a lot faster. It just is more visually pleasing as well. And then if you're tight on space, one of the tricks I use is um, I'll put them in clear plastic shoe boxes from the container store with a label on them. And then you can stack those and you can switch them out seasonally. So you can put your fall and winter shoes in them during the summer and then, you know, vice versa. And it makes it really easy to um, switch them out and you gain a lot of shelf space that way. And then another trick I have for shoes is if you alternate heel to toe and toe to heel, (laughs) the way they're on the shelf, then you can gain, you can usually put another pair of shoes on a shelf if you do that. So kind of like switch, you know, put the toe forward and the heel forward. That's a great tip. And I know, I mean, I struggle with that quite a bit because we're in the Northeast where seasonality really matters. So this time of year, there's snow boots Mm -hmm. and, you know, high boots. And then obviously it completely changes in the summer. Um, So that's a great tip using bins and labeling them, you know, for things that you're not going to be right now. We're not, you know, we're not flip-flop season here. Yeah. So um, to head to go back um, a little bit and talk about organizing for families. Um, I know that you mentioned that um, you have a son who's autistic and I'm sure you've, you know, had some organizing strategies around making your life easier and his life easier with respect to organizing. So for families who um, have children who are autistic or have other types of special needs, what advice do you have for organizing that has really worked um, in your family and for other clients of yours? Yeah, the same principles still apply when you're organizing and you have a child on the spectrum, but they're magnified. It's almost like they're they're more important um, when you have a special needs child. So, for example, having everything have a home is really important in our home. We can't. My son has a hard time with a lot of visual clutter and or just clutter in general. And so having a place for everything and have a lab, having a label on it is very helpful so that he can put things back where they belong and he can find things um, because it's it's harder for him to find his shoes in the morning. Uh, and so it's very important that they be in the same place every every morning. Um, Schedules are also really important to him. Uh, From the time he was very little, I could tell he was very routine based. I think a lot of kids on the autism spectrum are very 
routine oriented. And so having a schedule has always been very helpful for us and having it be posted and visual has been very helpful too. So I would just write out, you know, his daily routine. When he was little, I used pictures and now I just write it out because he's 13. But that's always been very helpful for him to organize his day. Um, A lot of the strategies that I use when helping families organize, you know, if a kid who has special needs have to do with time management. So the routines, the schedules are very helpful. I have a um, tool that I love to use called the time timer and it's, you can buy it on Amazon. It's a little clock that has red. You set it and you can see the hour is red and the red goes down um, as your time diminishes. So you can really get a visual of how much time you have left. So that's been very helpful for um, our family, at least. And I recommend it to a lot of kids or a lot of other families with kids on the spectrum. Um, another challenge that we have, I think that's unique, is paperwork. So, and actually, this is for anyone who has um, someone in their family with a lot of medical needs. But we've, I found myself just drowning in paperwork, um, just reports and evaluations and schedules and just all kinds of um, paperwork. And so I created a binder system for all the paperwork related to my son and his needs. So we have one for school, one for medical things, uh, and one just specifically related to autism. And that's replaced our file cabinet. That's been really helpful. And I see that with a lot of families I work with who have kids who have autism is they, they're drowning in paperwork and they have piles everywhere or they have a file folder system, a file cabinet that's just stuffed to the gills and you can't really find anything in there because it's all just kind of shoved in there. So this binder system has been very helpful for me and for, uh, for just being able to access papers and go back chronologically to see uh, when we tried a certain medicine or what the report from school said or, or what his goals are for this particular school year. So that's, that's been a good strategy um, for, for us. Yeah. Paper can get so overwhelming and especially when we're sort mm-hmm. of like very much in the digital age, but things are still coming in from schools or whatever. So that's a great mm-hmm. strategy. Um what about um, strategies that you use for clients who have small children and and just tons of toys and items of just I you know I feel like the clutter you know all the time with small children is so hard to contain. What do you recommend for those parents? So I recommend baskets or bins for the toys, and I think you've got to keep it to a, a minimum and only have what fits in the baskets or bins, but kids can follow a system of putting their toys back. If they have some cute bins that kind of go with the decor or that go with their style, they can follow the system and put things back. They can learn at a young age to put things back in their homes. So I think first, if you just get a system in place where you've got a place for all the toys to go, that's helpful. And then keep it to a minimum, go through them regularly, get rid of anything that's broken anything that they've outgrown. Um, 
I think kids are very, uh, they, they typically won't play with something until you say you're going to get rid of it. And then all of a sudden it's like their favorite toy. And so I do it when they're not around. I go through their toys and we have kind of like a little holding area where I put the toys. If I see them not playing with something, then I'll put it in the closet for a while. And because sometimes my kids will come back and say, they, they'll be like, where is that one thing that, where's that toy that I haven't seen in a while? And so I'll be able to get it out of the closet. But if they don't mention it in an, so enough time goes by, I will sell it or donate it. So I think they're having a little holding area is good. Um, if you're afraid that your kid might have a meltdown over the fact that you got rid of their toys, <laughs> something that they, they love. Um, but really just, keeping it to a minimum and having a place for them to put it back into is, is helpful. They can learn, they can do it. Kids like to follow routines and they like to have a little system, a little home for their toys. So if you give them that, they'll follow it. Do you suggest doing some sort of labeling maybe first with pictures and then with words like, you know, trucks or dolls or, you know, how do you organize that? What would you suggest? Yeah. Yeah. I love to use pictures when they're little and honestly, organizing kids' rooms and playrooms is really fun because you can be so creative with your labeling and with the bins and baskets and the way that you store toys. But I've used um, pictures on, on, as for, for labels. And then as they've gotten older, I use a vinyl cutting machine and do like vinyl labels for things with the words. But, um, but I love using pictures for little kids, I think it makes it really cute too. And you can go on the internet on Pinterest and find a lot of free printable resources and just print them out on your home printer and cut them out and put them on your bins and baskets. And it just looks so pulled together and so cute. And then your kids, when they're cute and they kind of go with your child's style, they're more likely to maintain the system. You kind of have to have their buy-in a little bit. And so if you have um, a little girl who loves pink and princesses, you can kind of tailor those labels to that and be creative and that'll get her on board to putting things back where they belong. Yeah, that's a good point. The buy-in, it's almost like a little yeah. game or it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, to shift gears a little bit, um, I'm curious to know what kind of um, common organizing mistakes do you see? The biggest thing I see is people going directly to a place like the container store or Target, buying a bunch of bins, bringing them home, and thinking that that's going to solve all their problems. So it's the most fun thing. It's, you know, you think that you can just go buy some bins and that'll um, create the organization. But Really, you have to do the work beforehand. You've got to go through everything first and edit your belongings down and sort them by type into groups before you get bins. And really, you need to, before you buy any baskets or bins, you've got to measure your space and make sure that they're going to fit. And that's um, a really common mistake is that people don't measure if they go to the store and buy a bunch of bins and then they don't fit and then you get them home and you feel very overwhelmed because they don't work and then you don't return them and then they're just clutter and you've added to your problem <laughs> so, instead of solving it. 
<laughs> and um, I just have another space I'm curious about, which is um, cars and trunks and how to organize that. Just because I know a lot of people, I mean, obviously not right now, so much on the go, but between like life and work and children, how do you, what do you recommend for actually organizing in a car? Do you recommend bins for a trunk or, you know, how do you tackle that space? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because cars are actually very important to keep organized. Mm-hmm. And I think that we spend a lot of time in our cars and having a messy, unorganized car is just not, it, it's not a nice thing to get into your car and feel overwhelmed with clutter. Um, so, and it's an, a pretty easy place to keep clean, honestly, because it's a small contained area. So if you, um, maintain the systems that you have on a regular basis, then, then it's not too difficult, but I recommend bins in the trunk for the items that you keep in there all the time. So you have to look at your lifestyle and really think about what you need to have in your trunk at all times. So if you have kids who play sports and you have their equipment in the trunk, buy a bin or a container that'll fit that and keep it in there. Um, you know, as your needs change, reevaluate and get rid of things that you, that don't suit you anymore or that don't serve their purpose. So if you don't, if you know, if your kids aren't babies anymore, then you need to go and make sure you don't have a lot of um, baby supplies in the trunk, obviously. It's just easy to kind of let that space go and not think about it. So from time to time, you just have to go in there and really evaluate what you need to actually have in the space going forward. Um, But bins are very helpful. I think organizing the center console with, I like to use pouches, just really simple little clear pouches to have things like um, ibuprofen or masks, extra masks nowadays, hand sanitizer, pins, just those essential items. I keep those in the center console. I keep my glove box pretty organized with just the papers that I would need um, in case of an emergency. Try not to stuff other things in there. (laughs) And um, just really keep the essentials in your car. But I think the biggest trick to it is that if you have a routine and a schedule of going through your car on a regular basis and getting rid of stuff that doesn't need to be in there, that's going to help a lot just so it doesn't build up over time. And then just all the things that you need to have in there on a regular basis, give them a home in a bin or a basket. Yeah, it's true. I feel like I've kind of edited my trunk so many times in terms of what I actually need in there. Am I commuting for work and what season is it? And, you know, all of those sorts of things, extra footwear and sweatshirts and all that. So, um, but I think you're right. Having a system and sort of checking in on, you know, from time to time and evaluating your, your needs is like so crucial to having the right stuff in there. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk um, about, you know, a topic that we ask every guest about, which is self-confidence. And the first question is to anybody who's considering um, being a professional organizing organizer and starting their own um, business, what advice might you give them? I would first check out some of the other organizers in the area, see what they're doing, maybe offer to uh, meet or ask one to meet up with you for coffee 
and just kind of get a sense of what the job is really like. See if maybe you could act as an assistant to an organizer to see if you really enjoy the the day-to-day duties of the job. But I feel like if you are thinking about it and you truly love organizing, I would say jump in and just get started because it's uh, definitely a great time to be an organizer right now. And if you really love it, then you're going to be successful at it. And um, just looking back on your own professional career journey back, you know, when you were, you know, working with authors and now obviously, you know, organizing for clients in a different way, what is your best piece um, of advice to other women for developing that professional self-confidence that you have developed throughout your own career along the way? I think finding what you're good at and what you love to do is very important. And when you find out what you're truly meant to do in life, it gives you a sense of confidence. And I mean, we all have things that we're good at and that we're not so good at. And just accepting that and knowing that you have found the thing that you're truly meant to do can give you that professional confidence. And to just never give up on the things that you love. It's been really difficult with COVID to continue this business. At times, um, it's been very hard to keep going. But I know that this is what I'm meant to do and that it's what I really love doing in life. So that's given me the motivation to keep going and to move forward. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Allison. If you're interested in getting organized, you can find out more about her services at blueprintorganizing.com, and you can connect with her on Instagram at blueprintorganizing. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed our podcast, hit subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you always to our home team of friends and family for supporting us in our mission. This episode was produced and edited by Madeline and Becca. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, you are somebody.